Welcome back to the newest episode of Cake Bites. Uh, with me this week is Dr. Mick. He's a family therapist that works with gamers and is working to bring his specialization to a broader audience on his Twitch channel by holding weekly mental health chats, um, streaming every evening, and, and building a community where people can come if they need someone to talk to or want to support people that are struggling. And he discusses the intersection of mental health and how he has created tools for other therapists to use in family therapy settings to understand the importance of video games as a tool to cope with mental health struggles. So without further ado, here is Dr. Mick. I'm assuming that's what we're going to have you go by right now. Yeah, you, or you, you can call me Ryan, but Dr. Mick is kind of how everybody knows me. So uh, whichever you prefer, but doc, Dr. Mick's fine. I guess it's, it's what we're going to be talking about. Where, where did Dr. Mick come from? I'm just going to start there because I'm curious. Sure. Uh, okay, so it's a, I'll give you the short version of it. Um, so my, my gamer tag for the last, oh God, I don't even know how many years has been uh, Mick Erlson. And uh, that is a mixture of uh, my actual last name and uh, Phil Mickelson, who one of my very best friends told me I played golf like. And he, one day he just called me Mickelson and I was like, you know, that's a really good gamer tag. So I went with that. Uh, so then when I decided to start doing this, um, I said, well, I should probably put myself out there as doctor since I do have a PhD and like that's kind of like credential that makes people want to pay attention to me and actually watch my stream. And so I'll go Dr. Mick uh, because people would always call me Mick uh, online and Xbox Live when they'd see my gamer tag or whatever. So I figured, cool, let's just go with Dr. Mick. And that was it. Dr. Mick. <laughs> Can, uh, so what you're on the show for today is to, um, one, because I think what you're doing is really awesome here on your Twitch channel. Um, but two, I feel like there's not a lot of conversation about the intersection of mental health and, um, and, and video games. There's and I feel like you can speak on this much more than I can. So I'm going to go ahead and let you do that. But I really am really excited for, for us to talk about um, the things that you're doing within your discipline and um, and how you're applying that to the community that you're building here and just in general. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I love talking about that stuff. <laughs> um, so let's get started, right? Let's get started with how, uh, with, with where you got started with games. I think that's very important. Uh, so when I was five years old, I got a Sega Genesis for Christmas. And Santa brought me a Sega Genesis, and it was the greatest thing ever. I played Sonic 2 more times than I probably could ever count. And I never looked back from there. I got a Nintendo 64 when I was in seventh grade, or when I was in seventh grade, when I was seven. And I, uh, you know, played Mario 64 and all that fun stuff. And then I got a... GameCube when I was 11 for Christmas and that I still contend is the best Christmas I ever had because I desperately wanted a GameCube and then uh just kind of never looked back from there my parents always thought that I would grow out of it and they thought that like okay yeah so he plays video games now but at some point it'll it won't be a part of his life and I used to say that like I was going to be a video game designer 
and that I was going to do something with video games. But then when I went to college, um, I majored in advertising and then actually switched over. Uh, but I was always playing video games while I was in college. So like World of Warcraft literally got me through my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. um, I was like severely depressed my freshman year of college and Azeroth was about the only place that I felt comfortable and at home. And so I could still hang out with my friends in Azeroth. So that's what I did. And I've just continued to play video games constantly. When I was in my doctoral program, I had a destiny raid group that I would run with every Saturday. And that actually had enough of an impact on me that in my dissertation acknowledgements, I have my destiny raid group shouted out. <laughs> um, so like, if you find my dissertation published in the archives of Virginia tech, you will see, a nod to my destiny raid group. That's how much of an impact video games have had on me in my life. Wow. So then, um, as you said, you, you struggled with, um, depression yourself and you, you really yep. um, looked towards that raid group as a, you know, as a coping mechanism, it sounds like, do you feel like those experiences really put together your, your passion for what you've done so far? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, video games have been, well, before I was a therapist or before I ever saw a therapist on my own, video games were my therapy by far. But video games have just always had that significant role. And so I knew when I got into mental health and when I got into doing therapy and starting to do research uh, on my own, I knew that I wanted to somehow combine video gaming with what I was doing. So yeah, it absolutely drives it. It's why I actually created this channel because this, the Twitch channel that I do now is kind of represents where I always hoped that this would go in the sense that I get to play video games and interact with awesome people and talk about mental health all at the same time, which is, yeah. So I would say that's my, my, my love of video games, my love of mental health, both are like, I'm hugely passionate about both. And so any chance I have to combine the two, I'm all for it. And what was your thesis on? I don't know if you said. Oh, my dissertation? Well, my dissertation actually had nothing to do with video games. Okay. I was just curious. <laughs> no, my dissertation was about family therapy education. So, I mean, to some extent, that's like related to the stream in the sense that I have um, various nights in the week where I will teach like various lessons about mental health concepts. And I use some of what I've researched about um, meaningful education practices to do that. But uh, my dissertation didn't have anything to do with video gaming. It's, it was mostly a side project that I've now started moving into being my primary focus. Or so, so you shared with me um, a paper that was published earlier this year on video game use as a tool. Yes. Um, and so that, that publication, I guess I'm curious how, how that came to be. So, yeah, so that was actually, um, it, that, that paper actually originally started as a assignment for a writing for publication course that I was in. And I got super into it and super passionate about it to the point that I felt like it should be publishable. So I put a lot of work into that. So it was a side project that I did. Um, for those who don't know, the, the paper is about how to use video games, like use and like the types of video games a person plays as a tool to do an assessment of identity formation and social development as a therapist. And so one of the things that I've, that has always driven me crazy is that way more therapists don't know anything about video games than therapists who know stuff about video games. And I've always contended that gamers don't generally know where to turn when it comes to 
like talking about their gaming or like sometimes gamers are afraid to talk about their gaming in therapy because they're worried that a therapist is literally just going to say like, okay, well, you play video games. Cool. It's just the thing you do for fun and it's not really relevant. So why are we talking about it? And so I have always wanted to try and figure out a way to break down barriers just for therapists to be able to see video gaming is legitimate and saying a lot more about a person maybe than just this is something they do in their spare time. Because like I said, for me, it has always had a really significant role in my life. And if you tried to take video games away from me when I was in college, I mean, you you would have ruined, you would have ruined my life really. Mm -hmm. Um, And you would have ruined my connection to my friends and it would have just been, it would have been really bad. My depression would have got so much worse. So that paper came out of a place of wanting other therapists to have some idea of the importance of video games from the perspective of me, a person who's a therapist and plays games. I was really curious what you, because like you said, there are a lot of mischaracterizations and misunderstandings about people who play and enjoy video games. Um, And one of them um, is that, and it's hilarious to me that people who play video games are automatically introverted and very antisocial and i feel like especially with games like world of warcraft which has been around for much more than a decade um, so i feel like that's patently false can you speak a little bit on uh, the reality of that yeah so uh oh man i love that question (laughs) so you probably knew i was gonna like that question um so (laughs) i yeah. So here's the thing is like when people are playing video games and I'm sure that uh, the people who are gamers that are going to listen to this and who are watching my stream as we're talking about this would agree, like just because a person might be introverted in, in real life, um, they could be the most social person ever in an online video game. Like I know for, for me, like, well, I've, I've sort of come out of my introverted shell, but back when I was in high school and in college, I was pretty introverted. But if you just see me online in like my guild or, um, you know, running a raid group, I was as social as it gets. Like I was trying to coordinate raids. I was trying to be like a part of um, like World of Warcraft raids and dungeons and stuff. And like there was such a huge social aspect to playing games for me where I felt way more comfortable. Um, Like I could interact, like sure, people were strangers, but I formed some really meaningful relationships online and they were relationships that had um, maybe a little bit less pressure on them. And there was already a commonality of being able to play games together and like that shared interest already made it inherently easier for me to interact with people. And so like there are so many gamers that might in real life look like they don't interact well with people or they're relatively introverted but then you put them in a game context or even watching streamers and all of a sudden they're really social and they're really out there and they're talking and they're interacting and they're getting reinforcement from others that they're worthy of being talked to and that they're interesting. And so there's just so much more that meets the eye. So if you, again, if you look at it as, okay, so this person's sitting here staring at a screen with their mouth open and that's all I see but you don't see that there's, you know, game chat going on or that the person's talking into their headset or that they're, you know, they're doing call outs. Like I remember in Halo doing call outs and coordinating all the tactics of that. And there's just so much 
so much social interaction that goes on in video games that I think non-gamers don't quite understand because the only representation they generally see online is, you know, some guy sitting with a controller just mashing the buttons and drooling all over himself. I was curious if you've employed any of those tools from that paper in your own line of work. Um, and if, I don't know if you can talk on that at all. Yeah. So, no, I, I can. So um, I can speak really generally about mm -hmm. how it's impacted. Um, that if, so I am sought out frequently because of the fact that I advertise that I work with gamers in therapy. So I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of parents who call me wanting their kid to see me or their teenager to see me. And one of the things that I'm always doing if I have somebody in the room who plays video games is I am asking them about the video games they play. And I'm asking more than just like, what games do you like? Even though that's a really important question. I'm asking like, how often do you play? Why do you play? Um, what is so deeply important to you about your video games? And what, you know, what do I, what should I know about your characters? Because I think, you know, the characters that people create in their video games more than anything else can really be, indicative of traits that they either like about themselves or that they wish they had. So, you know, if I use me as I'll use me as an example so that I don't have to talk specifically about a client, but this could apply to a client uh, at, at some point. Like for me, if you saw all of the characters that I ever created in RPGs when I was in high school and when I was in college, what you would see are like really big bulky warrior classes. Like I'm always like, the tank. And if you saw me in real life, I'm 140 pounds and I'm about as scrawny as it gets. <laughs> and so it was because I always wanted to be bigger. Like I always had kind of body image issues when I was in high school about how thin I was and always wanted to be, you know, bigger and more muscular. Well, I could be that in video games. And that really helped boost my confidence. And so like that tells me a little bit of something about myself that like that's something that I wish I had. But then there were other traits that um, I would put into my characters that were traits I like about myself. Like I'm pretty assertive. I'm pretty charismatic. So I always like to make characters that can sweet talk people and all that stuff. So um, that's one instance. Another thing is that video games provide, and I'm actually currently in the process of writing a paper with some colleagues about this, um, that video games are really a rich environment for people to be able to explore various aspects of their identity. And I'm talking in this context about like gender identity or sexual orientation. You know, there are games like Pokemon or Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing where you can create characters that are not binary. Um, you can create, you know, male characters that can wear female clothes. Um, that sort Stardew of Valley, you can marry any bachelor or bachelorette, you know. There you go, right? In Mass Effect, you can romance Garrus or Tally. Um, so, like, there are ways that video games provide a safer holding environment for a person to explore their identity that they may not be able to do in real life because it's just not safe to do that. And so, if I'm able, if I'm adept at talking about video games and talking about the characters that a person's creating, um, it might help me have an understanding of maybe what they're going through in terms of trying to formulate and solidify their identity. So those are just some of the ways that I might use video games when working with people. I've also played video games in session, 
with clients before because sometimes it's a really good way to preoccupy a person's mind so that they can get into maybe some of the deeper stuff. Um, I've certainly had experience with that. Uh, sometimes it's just a nice way to join with a client um, because they know that I have a common interest with video games. I have actually Destiny Mega Blocks in my office uh, so that people who play video games kind of see that I like Destiny and that I'm, you know, I'm into that. Um, so there's all sorts of ways that I've integrated video games into the work that I do. And they really, I think, help me from an assessment standpoint, um, not just of assessing, you know, this thing that a person spends so much time on, but why they're spending so much time on it. Are they escaping from reality? You know, do they feel a sense of belonging there? Are there skills that they're learning in video games that they may not have the opportunity to learn in real life? And then eventually I'm trying to help translate some of those skills into real life. And I'm just, you said that parents have sought you out because they know that you work with gamers. Have you ever had parents be uncomfortable with the fact that you play video games? Like they may come to you thinking you're going to help, you know, quote unquote, cure their kid or (laughs) whatever it is that, you know, maybe they don't believe it. Stop playing. Right. Exactly. Number one request I get. So I'm just curious if you've had parents that are like, oh, you condone the use of playing video games in this context? No. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I am very open about that up front. Um, I will tell people over the phone, um, I'm a gamer myself. And part of the reason that I work with it is because I have more of a nuanced understanding of gaming that informs uh, the work that I do. Um, so I will say like, you know, I still ultimately want, you know, your kid to be healthy. And I want to be able to facilitate like, you know, whatever parental boundaries the parents might want to have, whether they want to, you know, create a sense of like, here's how often you're allowed to play. But I do tell parents that I am also going to hold them accountable to understanding the games that their kids play and why they're playing them. And I will generally use that as an opportunity to psychoeducate parents about the role that video games can have. Uh, in the family and for the person, and that there's probably a lot more going on than just this is a thing that I want to do for fun. And, and is there anything, is there like a, I'm sure you've had the conversation so many times, you know how to, you know, it's almost formulaic when you're talking to, you know, people who don't really understand video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a point that like, once you get it across, generally people are like, Oh, I understand now. Or is it like a different, do people, or is it very varied the way that people take to understanding the importance of video games outside of their fun? Um, so I think it does vary, but with that said, um, I think sometimes once people really understand the role and take the time to maybe sit down and have their, so I'm talking about parents in this context, but like have their kids show them the video game and explain some of the nuance. Like sometimes parents don't understand the games their kids are playing because kids won't even share it. And so I think like if a parent is curious about it and I can sometimes facilitate that process. So like if my parents would have seen my senior or my freshman year of college, if they would have, and they do know this because I told them and they were open to it, but like saying like, this is literally getting me through depression right now. This is how I'm able to get up and go to to class in the morning because this is what I have to look forward to. And this is kind of keeping me, keeping me fulfilled. And 
stopping me from feeling like I'm just immensely lonely in a context where I'm not being what I thought I was going to be when I got here. And sometimes I think like having just the insight into that is hugely important. So if, if a parent hears a kid say, you know, I play a lot of video games with my friends in my room because I'm sick and tired of hearing you and you and dad fight all the time. It's my way to get away from that because I can actually control this and I can't control what's happening in the other parts of my life. Um, I think that engages a level of empathy from people and that can sometimes give them some perspective. Um, but I always tell parents that like, you really need to sit down with your kids and understand what they're playing and why they're playing it and what it means to them. And so do you maybe have any advice for gamers that are struggling with mental health in, in a way that they can maybe try and connect with somebody maybe it's not their parents you know but just somebody that they trust about what's going on maybe that's a really good question um i think <laughs> i think for one being able to talk about it in the first place is really important and so um i mean part of why i created my stream is to give gamers a place to be able to talk about, I'm not saying to everybody come to my stream, but like um, having a place to be able to even talk about it openly and not be met with stigma and shame, I think is really important for one. Um, now, if I'm talking to a person in isolation about that, I'm saying like having a level of compassion for yourself is really important just in general. Um, but if people around you don't seem to understand your gaming and you feel really connected to maybe people you're playing games with, or even if you're on like forums um, talking about games or whatnot, not that people are going to be able to talk to you about your mental health per se, but they might be able to support you in saying something like, Hey, you should really talk to a therapist about that. You should really find somebody, a professional you can talk to. So I think really gamers who are struggling with mental health um, and want somebody to talk to and maybe can't find that support in their families and friends, find a therapist like me who plays video games and advertises that they work with gamers and that they understand video gaming and maybe give that a shot if you have the means to do it. Um, but I think finding a sense of community and people who aren't going to shame you for your video game use uh, and maybe like the role that it's playing in helping with your mental health. Um, I, I think that that's probably a good place to start. I feel like I was kind of all over the place in that answer. So no, it's good though. I, I mean, I, I was just asking generally. Um, I mean, and I thought it was a good answer, not all over the place, but, and I do for the sake of sharing, I, I mm -hmm. do feel the need to share an experience of my own that, I mean, that, that was true for me personally. Um, I've been playing games my whole life and I've been on the internet for, you know, most of that as well. Okay. And um, when I was in, when I was 13, my, uh, my dad passed away. Uh, he was very sick my whole life. And, um, and for me, I had a community of people on a, a Dragon Ball Z web-based MMO that I had gotten very close to, you know, in the you know years that I'd been playing and they were the people that I sought comfort mm -hmm. from that I felt like I could be honest about, you know, how I was feeling in a way that I couldn't share with okay. my family. Uh, and it, I can't, thank all of those people <laughs> enough and i'm still friends with so many of them and that was you know more than that was 10 years ago now more than yeah. years um so yeah i i appreciate you sharing that because i think there are so many people out there that have that experience i mean that 
gaming and just that sense of community, right? Gamers are some of the best people out there in terms of being able to form community. And I think being able to find that in gaming is so essential. And so like, right. So like if somebody would have told you, you can't play that anymore, like stop, you're playing too much. Mm -hmm. Like, like I said, I know for me, freshman year, that would have been just an absolute disaster. You I don't want to speak to you, but man. I was on the precipice of disaster and that's what kept me from there. So, <laughs> um, and I was really curious about your colleagues, um, you know, in your discipline, people that you, uh, uh, you know, other people that you work close to, how they've, how they take your approach, um, have taken the tools that you've provided um, and, and really if they've, argued with you on it or agree? <laughs> um, so I don't get argued with very much, but <laughs> I think that's because I've gotten very good at being able to state my side of things. And I tend to, I tend to try to see the whole picture when I'm talking with people about it. So I haven't had too many arguments with people. Most of the engagements that I have around it are with people like, well, with therapists that maybe have no experience with video games at all. And they will say to me that it just scares the hell out of them to even try and ask questions about it because they're worried that they're going to look like idiots in front of the, in front of a gamer. And what I always say in those instances is you don't look like an idiot if you're being curious about something that is a huge deal for somebody. Like let, let a, let a gamer tell you what the gaming means to them. Like you don't have to know what the, you know, 25 kill streak is in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 to be able to understand how important Call of Duty is to the gamer in the sense of like having, you know, being able to play as a team and, and have something to work towards. Um, but I've had people that have read that article. I actually, it's so interesting that you ask about that because actually earlier this week I had a copy. <laughs> Um, ask if they could meet with me for an hour to talk about the paper because they had read it and they're a gamer themselves. And they um, were just like, they were so glad to see that it was written up and they wanted to talk to me about it and kind of get poke my, poke my brain and get my thoughts about more about like, you know, using video games as an assessment tool. I think for the most part, the response that I've gotten from people is that they think it's really cool, but it scares them because they don't feel like they know enough. Because mm. by now there are so many people that play video games that every therapist is going to have a gamer on their caseload at some point. And not that you have to zoom in on the games as being the primary focus, but it's certainly, I know for a lot of gamers, it's a really important part of their life. And so I think being afraid to ask about something that's a really important part of somebody's life or not knowing how to ask about it um, is a real bummer. And like, if I had a therapist that didn't understand how big of a deal video games are to me, uh, I'm, I'm finding another therapist. You're shopping around. Yeah, absolutely right. I'm absolutely shopping around. Um, because I'm not about to have somebody say, well, you know, have you thought about playing less video games <laughs> as the very first piece of interaction to that? Cause I would be very quick to say that is not the problem. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And, uh, this is more general so to kind of move away a little bit more generally. Okay. Um, there's been a pretty big conversation. I mean, and it's been going on for a while, but but especially in the last year or so uh, around mental health um, and video games in, and kind of assigning blame to video games and events of tragedy, like, yep. mass, like mass shootings or school shootings. Yep. And I know 
the people who are probably listening to this show, you know, understand the nuance in there's more nuance to the argument than that. Um, but just like yep. therapist, a lot of therapists um, that, you know, don't know how to approach looking at video games. I feel that same, that's the same problem um, in this argument when, and this may be a, a different question than you're expecting me to ask, but uh, you know, for people listening, um, is there anything that any, any perspective that you can offer as a talking point for maybe people who do enjoy video games, but don't know how to, you know, answer to that, question or that's the reason their parents don't like video games so the question being uh, i want to make sure that i give a, a good answer so the question like if if a, they're if they're brought the question like well you you know video games are bad because they make you know because people are violent as a result <laughs> they play video games and become violent okay mm-hmm. um so uh my gut reaction answer to that generally is that um, people have been doing really horrible shit before video games even came around. <laughs> like, Khan did not play Call of Duty, right? Like, there are there are plenty of people that have done really violent, horrible things before video games were even mainstream and were even explicit enough to be an issue. So, there's that for one. Video games are in e- so I'm going to give you maybe two nuances of an answer, and then you can tell me to back it up and be more basic. Okay. Um, so, one of the things that happens, I think, with video games and why it's such an easy target is because of just simply the optics of it. So, yes, there is a lot of violence in video games, mm-hmm. and what we don't like, our brains don't like this. We don't like dissonance. And so our brains look for patterns and commonalities to be able to make sense of very complex things in simple ways. Mm -hmm. And so it's very easy to look at video games and see portrayals of violence and think, well, that must facilitate violence in real life because it's just an easy association to make. It's a very quick association to make, and it's a very oversimplified association to make. So people who don't understand video games at all And the only representation of video games they see is they're these, you know, big, awful, violent, bloody, gory things. Uh, That's a very short leap to make cognitively. And so people will make that leap. And so what you can do, and I know this is difficult in uh, this (laughs) current political climate, is uh, go to the research and there's a lot of recent research that has shown that uh, while there might be some tendencies towards aggression for people who play violent video games, those that deviation of aggression is not um, is not really a standard deviation that we would consider to be significant. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of research out there, like a lot of the research that is out there is on very targeted populations using very targeted games, and it doesn't really cover a broad spectrum. And so we don't actually, I would make the argument as somebody who kind of consumes the research as often as I can, that we don't know uh, whether it actually affects it. it it's, it's troubling when we see like, you know, m- people who engage in mass shootings or school shootings that did play video games 
but they also did a lot of other things that people might have in common. And I would say that the most blatant one is they had access to a gun. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, I, I apologize if I'm getting maybe a little no. here, but like people try to politicize video gaming. And I really think that that's dangerous because there are infinitely more people who play violent video games constantly that would never even imagine picking up a gun and going into their school and shooting people. And so you have to look at it as like, you know, it's sort of like the idea that people are more afraid of flying than they are driving, even though you're way more likely to be killed driving than you are flying. But the only time you ever hear about flying is when a plane crashes at once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. People think that planes are more dangerous. And so it's the same thing. You only ever hear about video games when it's brought up as a person who engaged in a shooting played video games. You don't hear about, you know, people doing wonderful work out there who also play video games. You don't hear about people who have solved really complex problems who attribute their success in doing that to the fact that they play video games. Like you don't, you don't see that kind of representation with video games. And so I think that's the problem is like, we don't have a well-rounded representation out there in the mass media of video games. And that's why I'm like on this crusade uh, with this stream and like with trying to push that information out there, because I think, and with that article that I wrote that was published this year and with the article that I'll hopefully have published by the end of this year, about mm-hmm. like the, about, um, facilitating the coming out process for LGBTQA gamers, like is to have that kind of representation out in the literature. Because right now, if you try and do a Google scholar search for what literature is out there, you're going to just see the connection between violence, like violence, because that's what's sexy. That's what gets the research dollars. That's what gets grants. Um, but I really do think we need to spend time trying to get the whole picture so that we do have evidence to, to put out there for people and that we can make more nuanced arguments. Um, rather than just making this oversimplified connection to video games. Absolutely. I mean, and you brought up, so you brought up your stream in it, and I want to talk that, about it a little bit more in depth because we, we've talked about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, you have sessions that you run, um, you know, I'm not sure if it's every day, yeah, but yeah. often, yep. and it seems like they're themed. You bring on guests. Can you talk about, you know, what it is that you're doing and um, and, and really how, what the experience has been like so far. I would love to. So <laughs> um, this is a huge passion project of mine that I do uh, in my spare time. Um, it feels like a second job sometimes, but it's all, it's all enveloped in my spare time. So I created this channel. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of the history of where the, how this got formulated. Um, so I, there are many streamers who are big like Ninja and like Dr. Lupo and um, you know, a few others that have had issues with viewers who try to use them as therapists. Hmm. So they will, they feel a sense of connection to the streamer, which I think, you know, many of us might say that we feel a certain sense of connection to some streamers. Um, And so what they would do is they would enter the chat and start talking about their mental health. And saying like, hey, ninja, like, I've been feeling suicidal lately. What do I do? And like, ninja has to be like, yo, I'm not a mental health professional. Like, I I can't help you with that. Like, you need to talk to a therapist. And so I saw that and I thought like, well, hey, like, I'm a therapist. I can't do therapy on a stream, but I could certainly point somebody in the right direction and maybe talk to them about what to expect. 
And so that was like, that was kind of an interesting idea for me. I was like, so that would be interesting if like, you know, if I was seen by Dr. Lupo or Ninja or Dr. Disrespect or something, and somebody in their chat was talking about their mental health and they didn't know what to do, rather than saying, oh, I don't know what to do. Go find a therapist. They could be like, hey, go talk to Dr. Mick. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a therapist and he's on Twitch and that's an environment where you feel a lot more comfortable and he plays video games while he does it. So it's a little bit more approachable and you can do it on your own terms, that sort of thing. So I was like, you know what, like I'm going to create a stream where I bill it as you get to play games or watch games, I guess, with me and talk to me about mental health uh, and get general mental health information and resources. And I see the stream as sort of bridging the gap between not having any access and being totally afraid to go into therapy and to talk about mental health and to not have a place to do it uh, to empowering people to feel like they can take charge of their mental health and maybe go find a therapist and have the resources and information for me to know how to do that in a way that's going to be effective for them. So Uh, So yes, I do um, every Monday, I do a mental health topic that my community votes on. Uh, Two weeks ago, it was what's a first session like. And so I talked about how to find a therapist and then what to expect in a first first therapy session. And then this week, uh, actually yesterday, or no, not yesterday, uh, Monday night, (laughs) talked about suicide assessment and what happens uh, in therapy when a client talks about suicide and how a therapist does a suicide assessment um, to kind of like raise awareness around that and so that people know what that's like and what to expect. Maybe it's a little bit less scary if it's something they need. Exactly right. Like, you know, one of the number one things that prevents people from calling suicide hotlines is because they have no idea what the person on the other end is going to say when they pick up the phone. And they worry that their therapist is immediately going to call um, is immediately going to call the police and throw them in a mental institution. And that is just like, so not true. And so I'm trying to kind of help people have maybe that more realistic view and maybe a more empowered view about going to therapy. And, you know, I dress casually on stream. I wear my hat backwards. Those <laughs> of you who are on stream can see it. I, I, I try to break down the stigma and expectations that people have for therapists uh, because we're not all scary. <laughs> and some of us do play video games and some of us do care about video games. Not that that's the only thing I have to talk about, but um, I just see the stream as being a place where people can have a sense of community. And I will say that my community is amazing um, and incredibly supportive of each other. And I have been just so floored really by how amazing everybody is and how supportive they are of each other. It's, it's, it's truly incredible. Um, but I have gotten feedback from people, from viewers that have said to me things like, I finally felt empowered to go see a therapist because of your stream. Um, something you said to me, I was able to, you know, break through a constraint that I had with a, with a therapist I'm currently seeing, and I felt more comfortable doing this and it was successful or, um, I was able to talk to a friend about this thing because you gave me uh, kind of the, I felt empowered by the stream to be able to go do that. Like I've gotten a lot of feedback about that so far. And that has been really exciting for me because again, that's my goal. Like if I help people feel more comfortable finding a therapist and talking about their mental health and they're able to go find somebody that they can talk to and they feel better and their mental health is in a better place as a result, I've done my job. And, you know, if it gets to a point with this stream where I am well known enough 
that Ninja and Dr. Lupo and all the wonderful streamers that are out there um, know that I exist and say, hey, go talk to Dr. Mick because he's a real therapist and he can help figure it out for you, then that would be wonderful. But um, that's really what the spirit of this stream is about. And so I do stream every night. Um, every once in a while, I won't because I'm exhausted because <laughs> I stream inconvenient hours possible. And I do have a full-time job that I have to attend to and put my all into. Um, but this stream is a, is an absolute passion project of mine. It marries my two favorite things, video games and mental health. <laughs> and at what time do you typically stream at in the evenings? I stream every night at 1130 PM central time. And I usually go until a, usually between one thirty and two o'clock. Um, I generally stop when I can only attend to the game I'm playing or the chat. When you can't. <laughs> like oh. you do both, then I start, then I sign off. But for the most part, I mean, I like right now, as you and I are talking, because I know you'll have people listening to the podcast that haven't seen my stream. I've been like sitting I'm, here watching you play. Like, yeah, I'm literally <laughs> playing destiny strikes right now while we're talking. <laughs> and that's kind of how it goes. And, and it's really hard. So like, I see everybody chatting right now in my, uh, like in my chat box, me having to attend to that on top of doing this interview and playing Destiny is a little bit too much. But generally what it looks like is me having a constant dialogue with everybody in the chat while I'm playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's very clear um, that your community cares a lot about you and is really, I mean, they, they got on super quick um, <laughs> right after you went live. They had no idea I was coming on at 4, at 4.30 this, this afternoon. <laughs> and I really appreciate um I appreciate how candid they are. I mean, they've been talking in the in the chat, answering questions alongside you. Um, and if I'm not sure if you if you are able to share the VOD with me from our interview, but I would love to share it with my patrons so that they can, yeah, so that my patrons can see, um, kind of just kind of get an idea of what your stream is like. Um, and where where can people find you at in social media? So I am the the primary one that I use is Twitter right now. They can find me at Dr. Mick live. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm also on YouTube. Uh, I have, I'm not able to generate one of those like cool links. That's memorable. Me but either. If you search, if you search <laughs> Dr. Mick, um, I'm like maybe the third user that pops up. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube. I'm on Facebook too, but that's not fully formulated enough. So I'm not going to direct people there, but uh, really the, the best place to get a hold of me is in my Discord server, uh, which you can find at my Twitch, at twitch.tv um, slash doctor underscore Mick. Um, or I also have it linked in my in my Twitter. I also have a website, which is drmick.live. And I'll have links to all of that stuff um, in the show notes for the episode on my website as well. Uh, and w was there anything else that I didn't ask about? Because I know it's a really broad topic um, or anything that you wanted to talk about specifically before we wrap up. I think video games are one of the most incredible mediums for being able to gain access into who a person is and who they can be. And I really hope that over time we can destigmatize video game use to a point that people who don't play them can see that. Um, video games have become so mainstream and so nuanced and so complex that it really does give people a safe place to explore who they are and to build relationships and to um, escape but also build skills that they can use in real life. 
And if you take that away from people and you try to legislate against it, I think you're causing a lot of harm. And so I think therapists need to understand that. Therapists need to know how big of a deal video games can be for a person. And I think the general population needs to know that. And I really hope that people find it in themselves to be more curious about gamers and the roles that their video games are playing and to take the mental health of gamers seriously and to know that there's a very good chance that video games are uh, facilitating some level of mental health for the gamer. Um, I just, I guess I just want to reiterate the importance of that, that like there is just such a richness to video games and the way that people engage with them that um, just gives us so, so much information. And, you know, with where stuff's going with like virtual reality and all that cool stuff, like mm-hmm. there's just awesome things that can happen for, uh, for gamers down the line and for non-gamers alike. So if there was, I guess if there was a parting thing that I would say it's that, and that it is okay to seek help, that it is okay to try and find a therapist who knows how to talk about video games and who can listen to your experience, that you should shop around for a therapist that understands that if gaming is an important part of your identity um, and that we are out there um, and that if you want resources, uh, you now know where to find me. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and like I said, I will be sharing links to your website, your social media, your Twitch, everything. So anybody who's interested or, uh, or, or just needs to talk to you uh, can find you. And uh, I really appreciate your time, Dr. Mick, and your split attention. I don't know how I can barely like watch you play and and, like maintain my train of thought. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll have show notes for today's episode up on cakebites.com. Don't forget to like and follow the show on social media so you can keep up with updates as well as on Twitch so you can get updates when I finally go live. Um, And... Yeah, I think that's everything. See y'all next time.